football frenzy. Hey, you hit me so hard down there. Presented by Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans. Call him now at 702-577-2600. The football frenzy on Cofield and Company. Company. Three o'clock hour is here. We go a little shorter today. Well, it's still three hours, but earlier start at two o'clock. Remember when we've got the big national play-by-play games going down, like the national title game tonight, Alabama getting three. Money line, a very, very low plus 120. Very Super Bowl-esque on the value on that one. We got that game coming up right after us at five o'clock. Just so you know... Let's see what the total numbers were in the RJ. Todd Dewey put together a bunch of experts. I think there's 36 people making picks on this game, Willie. Uh, Alabama, the dog, straight up picked 22 out of 36. Alabama, 22 to 14 Georgia picks. What do you think? Um. I think that Georgia is going to be much better than they were in the SEC championship. And I don't think, I think that Alabama will be just as efficient, but I think Georgia's offense will be able to solve things that they couldn't before. I think it's going to be a fantastic game. And I tend to look at these games, look at the odds makers having the nads to make Georgia a favorite, and I think that uh, it's, it's a very telling sign. So I like the Bulldogs. Five o'clock start. Coverage of the national title game right here on ESPN Las Vegas. If the Raiders don't win that game yesterday, are we sitting here breaking down a lot of uh, different elements? Of course we are, right? Uh, Willie, I noticed you made the comment at the half. Right before the half, Carneal, smart. Fans, boo. Why? Raiders take 17-14 lead into the locker room. Others saying uh, 37-yard line, two timeouts. What? Chris Collinsworth said, I wouldn't have done that. What do you think? There's 10 seconds left. The two timeouts are going to be – I mean, but what are you going to do? How far do you have to get down to get Carlson into range? You you need to pick up probably 20 yards – just to that, get yeah, him, probably, probably 25, 30. Well, 20 yards is going to get you to the 43, and that's going to be a 58 yard field goal, roughly. So you, you think you think that he could you you think that he could probably pull that out, but you still have to drop back, make the pass, get a perfect play. So as far as saying we got two timeouts, that part's irrelevant anyway because even if you catch it in bounds, you know, five six seconds, you're not going to pull off a long play in four. The other thing is. Why risk you you just got the momentum back after you had opened the 10-0 lead and then you know you just got the momentum back. Why risk anything at that point? Anything could happen. Turnover. We know how Carr with his, his fumbleitis can be, right? In the pet just he has a history of fumbles. Why risk it? You you're playing well, and the Chargers are getting the ball. In the opening half, you did what you had to do to get back into that and re sort of reseize control or or the momentum, if you will. At that point, I don't necessarily think that there's that in that kind of game. I mean, that's just as we saw last night. But I thought you're fine doing that. 
There's no reason to press at that point. Any big surprises for you on Black Monday with the coaches and the GMs around the National Football League? Well, um, I guess it, it it comes across as a surprise on the on the outside looking in with Flores, yes. But when you when you read deeper into it and you and you hear some of the those from Miami and you talk to some of you know he didn't necessarily have the most cohesive relationship with Chris Gear. Apparently, there was a bit of a power struggle. He didn't necessarily have a great working relationship with Tua. So, you know, um, little things like that, they can lead to an unpopular uh, – you can be an unpopular personality with upper management. And, you know – they they didn't get what they, they didn't get done what they needed to do so so you become a scapegoat but at the same time you kind of kill two birds with one stone you you didn't get you didn't turn this into a playoff team and we don't get along you're not doing things the way I want done um, so a surprise on the surface yes internally probably not interesting though right yeah interesting guy who uh, in his last two years just went. What, 19 and 14? You don't see that often. That a guy gets fired going 9 and 8. Uh, Omar uh, Kelly, who covers the Dolphins, did say this, though. I hate when media members claim a head coach who just got fired will be one of the, quote, hottest coaches of the cycle. They did that with Adam Gase, overlooking his warts. Brian Flores is a good coach. Bottom line is he can't coach offense and struggles with offensive hires. He also says... Belichick protégés have all been colossal failures in the NFL, and they all have one universal theme. They are D's, because they were trained by a major one. Well, That's wrong. I would beg to differ and think that I wonder if he could go and coach the, I don't know, Denver Broncos. Chicago Bears, um, you know, the defense, the the uh, the defensive project with Vic Vangio didn't work there, but um, I believe that there was some decision making there. I um, it, Chicago's got a potential, a potentially good offense in waiting there. To blossom and with the white offensive coordinator to focus in on Justin Fields in that unit um, and and Flores to come in and sort of resurrect what's always been sort of a defensive black and blue, you know, monsters of the midway defense and sort of resurrect that and bring in somebody to work with Fields. Uh, I, I could see that working. So I disagree and I think that he could be a hot topic. I think he could be. Uh, I also, if I were Brian Flores, there's no way I would take the Bears job. Ownership is terrible, and I don't think they have a quarterback. I want a quarterback. I want it guaranteed. My second go-around as a head coach, especially if my reputation is that I don't know offense, I got to walk in somewhere where I know the quarterback's awesome. So I would wait, and I don't like the Bears job. Well, what would I do? Like, I don't know his contract details, but I assume he's being paid by the Dolphins for at least another year. Um, I would, if I can't call the guy directly, then I would have Belichick call him. 
Uh, I would go into the uh, Nick Saban Rehab Institute. Because somehow Bill O'Brien is now a viable head coaching option in the NFL because he's coached one year with Nick Saban. We've seen it happen so many times. Any of these guys who are looking for a second chance, you have to wait for the perfect opportunity to open up. And maybe it takes like four or five years. I would never go somewhere unless I had a top 12 quarterback waiting for me there. Okay. So that being said, the Bengals spanked the Raiders, Basaccia. Great job. Thanks for getting us here. But is Flores a candidate? Possibly. Raiders situation is a lot more attractive than the Bears situation. That I agree with. That I agree with. I just disagree with you saying that they that they don't have quarterback because I think Justin Fields will be just fine. Dustin DeHart of Nova Home Loans brings you the football frenzy. Dial 702-577-2600 now. Home prices have never been higher and interest rates have never been lower. Get your mortgage tune-up today by calling 577-2600. They start thinking, okay, we have to score with Alabama, and, and they're taking shots down the field, and they're turning to a pass-first team. A couple years ago, you get into they're faking a punt from midfield, and th- those are type of things that you don't see from them regularly. Now, back to Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Dan Mullen? Critiquing the coaching of Kirby Smart. Interesting. I mean, I guess he has a right. Florida did play Alabama pretty close the last two times out that they faced him. So we'll see what Kirby Smart is going to do tonight. I think there's a couple things there. I agree. They tried to throw the ball too much last time against Alabama instead of pounding the rock. And they may not have had success pounding the rock throughout the game, but it would keep the ball out of Stetson Bennett's hands, and I don't think Stetson Bennett is any good. I also think he targets one guy way too much, and that is uh, one of their young tight ends, not Washington, who, of course, is from here in Las Vegas. So we'll see what they come up with this time. You know, I, I think JT Daniels is a more talented quarterback, but Kirby Smart is afraid, and uh, we know if you coach afraid against Nick Saban, he's going to smack you around. He's 25-1 and one against his former assistant, so we'll see what Georgia comes up with. And if they can stay in this game, they are favored. They are favored. And the Sharps seem to like Georgia because that line didn't move. Well, actually, it did. It opened, uh, what, one, one and a half, moved up to three, and it stayed there the entire time. I don't think there's any movement so far today. So we'll see what happens in the national title game coming up just after 5 o'clock. Do you think there will be a big audience coming into this game? Uh, there is There is quite the challenge here, and it's not like you know the team's It's their responsibility. Each side is trying to win the game. But college football is kind of set up here to flop if this game isn't a good game, especially on the heels of a Sunday that probably exceeded all expectations for NFL Week 18, right? Especially following a Sunday night game. Yep. But you talk about, you know, you talk about the Pittsburgh game. You talk about the San Francisco game, and then you talk the Raiders and Chargers game. I mean, can you take anything more at this point? Um, Wait a second. I thought the AP put out a column middle of last week saying the season's too long. One week too long. They did. Don't need a week 18. Hmm. What happened? Well, 
Maybe the playoffs started yesterday. The NFL always delivers because you know what the end game in the NFL is? The playoffs where lots of teams get on the dance floor and have a shot. And I'll tell you the other thing that the problem with college football, the setup going into tonight, and it could be a really good game. These are great teams. Georgia was a great defense outside of the game against Alabama. The other thing going into this for people who really watch a lot of college football and are paying attention today to the news around college football, why would they the negotiations on CFP expansion on the day of the friggin' title game? Why would you why would you dominate the beginning of the day with, yep, we didn't do it again, no college football playoff expansion until 2026? Why would you spoil your own freaking water here? What are you doing? Makes no sense, right? I mean, you just add distractions, and it's somewhat it, – it kills your vibe. It's like, it's like uh, you know, you're, you're, you're in the positive mindset. You're headed somewhere. You're headed to work. You're headed to the studio. You're headed to the gym. You're headed to the stadium. And then something that – a little intricacy that has something to do with but nothing to do with where you're headed – but it's an intangible, and now it just kind of sours. It leaves a little bit of a bitter taste because it reminds you of the negative aspect of, for the people that don't like that format and want to see it expanded. And now they can't come to an agreement, and that's all that's going to be talked about. And then if one side gets out too far, you're like, ah, this is why we need more teams. This is why we need this. And it could ruin the, the viewership for tonight. I mean, I think that they'll get a decent enough crowd because I, uh, I think that – the sports fan, the general sports fan, is hyped up after a, a just a crazy weekend altogether, right? Um, and you know, and, and the hype and the buildup of the rematch. Um, I think that there are enough. To be honest with you, I think there are enough people that want to see Nick Saban lose that don't like Alabama, the anti-Bamas, Bamaers, um, and they just they're hoping for a good first half that'll keep them tuned in. It's also football. Let's not forget that. Let's also remember that what goes on in our little worlds on social media where we follow a lot of sports people and we follow a lot of sports media, negativity about things starts to swirl and it builds on itself. You know, every year we hear about how horrific the Pro Bowl is, what a stupid idea, and then every year the the Pro Bowl kicks the crap out of almost everything else on TV for ratings. We heard this bowl season that Bowl games suck. They're meaningless. I don't care. I'm not interested. And then almost every one of them did well in the ratings. It's football. Yeah. Now, that said, it, it's almost – it's Teflon. So, if the numbers are down, and they there have been moments where they dropped, and I think that was the impetus to go from the BCS to a Final Four. If the numbers are down – when you've got two powerhouse schools, two powerhouse teams, the greatest coach in the history of college football, then that'll be an alarming sign. But uh, the negotiation today, again, no college football playoff expansion to 8 or 12, which is disappointing. The tournament would be awesome. And uh, I just mentioned, why, why is the NFL, again, Teflon, if they move to 17 or even 18 games? Because you've got more people involved. You've got more cities involved. The playoffs are an awesome carrot. Who knows what happens to the Raiders, right? They've won four in a row. They're winning close games. They're getting healthier. Maybe they make a run, right? The fact that that dream is alive for lots of cities 
What was it going into yesterday, Willie? 18 teams had a chance to get in. Hell, everyone said the Ravens had like a 4% chance. The, the Ravens were in. The Ravens just had to beat the Steelers. They were in, right? Yeah. Couldn't going get it done. The weekend. Going into the weekend, yeah. The the insistence, and I know I know why it exists in college football, right? They know what money they're getting. Certain guys and certain schools control this whole thing, so they've got their college football invitational. You know, it's basically like a little holiday tournament. We know basically, you know, which eight to ten schools have the best chance. Now, someone can come from the outside every once in a while. I don't know if we see another Cincinnati, unless there's an expansion, you know, another Cincinnati-type situation for another however long this lasts. But the notion that a college football playoff wouldn't work and that people wouldn't be interested, if that's the case, Willie, let's just go to the Super Bowl right now. Who would you vote to play in the NFL title game? Or do we want to just do a Final Four? Because that actually replicates what college football has right now. Who's in? Who's in? Let's go right now. No playoffs. Who am I putting in there? Who? Yep, that's it. Raiders don't have a chance. No. That's my take. Raiders, are, they're out. They're out. This is what we do in college football. Oh, we won't go. I mean, who's going to beat the Chiefs anyway? Chiefs are in. Okay, they're in. Who else? Who's the other team from the AFC? Titans. No, you're wrong. I vote Patriots. Yep. That's Best coach in football. Chiefs, Patriots, Packers, Packers. Buccaneers, because we want Tom Brady. No, you're wrong. I vote Rams. The Buccaneers are a sinking ship, pun intended. A.B., Godwin down. They're beat up. No. Brady's out because I said so. All right, everyone happy? There's the final four for the NFL. There you go. Want to argue? We could. No, you're wrong. <laughs> I already voted. Sorry. This is what we do in college football. Yeah. I say exactly. the Bucks don't have a chance. They don't have a chance. They're out. We've come a long way since the AP and UPI polls, haven't we? Uh, we and and, we, and we, no we, playoff, no, no, just, 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 just the the the, the traditional bowl games. What was there? 13, 14 of them, and yep. whoever is ranked number one at the end, that's your national champion. Done. End uh, NFL NFL champions this year. We've got co-champs, the Chiefs. And the Packers. Everyone happy? Okay. No Super Bowl. People forget that. Split national titles. Yeah. Yep. If there wasn't, Unbelievable. If there, wasn't if there wasn't a unanimous between the uh, Associated Press and United Press International. Split national champ. Co co champs. Or it was unanimous. And the more games you play, the more a playoff system or a playoff setup is a true test of a champion. But what has worked for years upon years upon years upon years upon years and drawn attention and drawn more money and is now a cash king, hmm? a 64-team tournament. It's grown to 64, but prior to whatever it was. Yeah. The basketball, March Madness. Now, we don't need that many in the football playoff, but uh, it sure would work to expand it. I mean, if you sure went to if you, if you went to twelve in college football, it would still be less percentage wise than what they put in in college basketball. Absolutely, and it would do bafo numbers, and we would see a true champion as they would have to go through a gauntlet and play multiple games, <laughs> and different tests, and 
it would be freaking awesome. But, you know, as uh, the Pac-12 commissioner said uh, today, uh, he pointed out, actually the other day, he said, uh, he said college football playoff is, quote, an invitational and must be expanded. The exclusivity of the CFP has empowered Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, and a true championship can help rebalance the sport. You know what else can help rebalance the sport? Is using NIL for good. Using NIL to shine a spotlight on the absurdity of certain schools who have been either outright paying players or using the might of having lots of money and mega power deals, mega TV deals. NIL is another thing that is going to further correct the sport. And I love what, and most of it was for effect. I love what Charlie Batch did late last week, the former NFL quarterback, saying that Eastern Michigan, or at least a partner, an ad partner, was ready to pay Caleb Williams, the Oklahoma transfer, a million dollars to go to Eastern Michigan. And oh boy, then did you see, I saw Saban make a comment, maybe not on it directly, but oh, the powers that have had the money over the years and and have the edge in terms of winning because of their resources were like, whoa, 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 can't just buy your way in. Oh, you can't? Are you sure? Baylor and Oregon? You can't? I love that. I love that Charlie Batch put that together. Why not? Why not shine a light on the absurdity of it? And I saw a great tweet from uh, Mike DeCourcy, who works for the Sporting News. He, uh, he said there was a caller on ESPNU Radio who said that he preferred, quote, old-style college football from the 1980s because it was more innocent. The guy also pointed out that he was a Texas A&M alum. It was more innocent. Yeah. Texas A&M offered Eric Dickerson a Trans Am. They not only offered it to him, they gave it to him. When SMU was able to outbid Texas A&M in terms of overall package, Eric Dickerson kept the Trans Am from those innocent days. Yeah. That says it all. A Texas A&M guy going, whoa, whoa, whoa. Things getting a little out of control. Well, with your idea and the NIL taking care of uh, taking care of the student athletes and it sort of bringing to life some mid majors, I know one town that would benefit greatly, considering the resources and considering the glitz and the glamour, and that is UNLV. So all that booster money and all those old school fans that are looking for greatness to come back to uh, South Maryland Parkway, pony up, get ready, figure out how to get a million dollars on the table for the Rebels. Stick around. Cofield and Company returns in minutes in the Finley Toyota Studios. while my hat came off and I was like, well, instantly someone's going to make a meme of my hair with some Home Alone guy or something. Wolverine. Uh, this is AJ Cole's fault. This is honestly just because he said I would give up. You know, I think this is like a perfect segue into we didn't give up this season. You know, just because he told me I'd quit is the only reason my hair has not been cut since training camp. So Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. That was it. That was the key. We named all the heroes of the game early in the show. Derek Carr's hair, a hero. Are you jealous, Willie? No. Okay. Just making sure. 
I'm awesome. we, have lot, we, have, we have a lot of hair envy on the show. Ari's got I, the big bump on the back. I'm I'm developing it in the back and the front. You okay, know let's jealous. get it clear that I have no choice. Not that I have no choice. I have uh, – I shave my head. So I, I shave the hair that's growing on my head. I How bald would you be if you let it grow out? I don't know. But I know it would be thin, but I, it's not as if I just, it's just I, I, I don't have to shave. I mean, I have to shave it. Otherwise, it would be stubbly, and then it would grow in. And... You're almost showing off. Well, I mean, I'm just on not a, jealous. On a show that hair struggles, you're, you're saying that you could actually grow some hair. Hmm. Sure. I might have more hair on my head than Ari has on his face if I let what? it grow. Wow. That's and a... you combined. That's a claim. Well, my the hair on the face is uh, unfortunately there's I'm multicolored, so it doesn't show up. I, I might 2022 could be the year that I just go with the, like a black beard. It'll well, look weird, it, but I might do it. Little Hulk Hogan with uh, NWL. Yeah, why not? That's why. That's actually why I, I I have to color my my goat because I don't like the look of three different like. The brown, and then the dark, and then the gray. If it was all one color, if it would just all come in gray, I'd be fine with it. But I don't like the look of three different shades, three different colors, on my chin. So I just, I'm just gonna, I color it back to its natural color because that's, it just looks better. If it once it goes all gray, cool, I'm cool with it. But I'm not going with splotches of colors. What do you do to what do you do to shave? You got like a straight blade, like old school barber. You got one of these new age the uh, shaving deals. You got the electric razor. What's the deal? No, I got the. I, I do not have a, a straight edge. I I just have a, a razor that I take in the I have in the shower and get it get it nice and soft in the in the heat and and just sit there and shave. Got to use a quick shit quattro though. Got to okay. have the the four blades and got to use edge gel. Don't want any cuts. Don't want any lots bleeding. Of, lots of promotional pops. We'll have to get to these deals. Uh, so your tool of ignorance is a, a shit blade. All right. Well, speaking of tool, that's a segue. Uh, tool is playing T-Mobile. That's uh, on the 22nd, 8 o'clock show. We've got tickets. Call our 7 right now, 364-1100-364-1100. You get your own tickets at AXS.com. Uh, I know we have a lot of people at Lotus Broadcasting who freaking love tool. So they put on a great show. Your chance to win tickets right now, 364-1100. Three six four one one zero zero. Uh let's talk about what Derek Carr did yesterday because it's pretty rare when you call out all the heroes of a game and you talk about the kicker who's had a monster season in mm. Daniel Carlson. You talk about their star defensive end in Max Crosby, who you know really dominated the game. You talk talk about Josh Jacobs, who got stronger as the game went along. How do you grade what Carr did? in that game yesterday because once again the numbers were not gigantic but when he needed to make some key passes he made them he did he managed the offense um and, and that is what you have to do you know when a defense is is bearing down on you uh just as much as the raiders put pressure on justin herbert um guys like bosa and jones uh they were in on him there were a lot of quarterback hurries um, on the on the Charger side of the ball, so it's not as if he was, you know, as had plenty of time here and there. So he did a lot of 
clock management, time management, and and like you said, he came up with clutch plays at the right time to uh, preserve drives and effectively and efficiently move the ball downfield. And came away they they came away with no turnovers, which I, I made mention during when we were interviewing Rich that. Over their previous four games, the Raiders had committed 12 turnovers. It's an average of three per game. Um, they didn't turn the ball over once yesterday. There were uh, a couple of fumbles that they didn't turn over. They got back, but um, they protected the ball. And Carr managed that offense throughout the game, and that's what you want. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs took over with his, with his legs. Um, you know, again – Key targets in this game for Derek Carr, as we talked about with his depth, he targeted seven guys. He hit each one of them at least once from Brian Edwards. We saw Brian Edwards involved in the game a lot early on. Foster Moreau, uh, Zay Jones, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs, and Jalen Richard, um, all getting involved with the passing game. So, you know, I think he was just a very good play manager throughout uh, only 186 yards but in doing so he did become the single season passing leader for the Raiders correct in a 17 game season which I do yes. think you know needs to be in I, consideration same thing with TJ Watt and the sack record like you had 16 games to do it you didn't do it but the numbers were impressive for Derek Carr oh, oh, here's oh. the thing in the in the end uh the I guy, gotta cut you off I gotta the cut guy, you the off guy, the guy let him I, on a four game the guy let him on a four game win streak didn't throw for more than 255 in any one of those games. Five touchdowns and four interceptions. And you know who cares about the numbers? No one, because they won. No one. I want to go back one second, because you brought up the 17 games. You brought that up. And I want to make mention of something. If if people are going to start bringing that up in terms of single-season records, 17-game seasons versus 16-game seasons, so on and so forth, then that means that we have to go back over everybody's single season record or career record. And now we have to start saying, okay, well, what if this quarterback played in a 16 game season and threw for this many yards, but he was injured and didn't play in two games? Oh, nope, he did it in 14 games in a 16 game season. So I don't want to hear anything about. 16-game season versus 17-game season. Injury, somebody- injuries, injuries are part of the game. If you get an extra game to set a record, then it's a different record. It's a 17-game season record, not a 16-game season record. Well, T.J. Watt, Watt didn't tie Michael Strahan. He set a 17-game mark. Strahan has a 16-game mark. We need to start comparing some 14-game marks. So 14-game se- season records. I mean, I guess, I guess we could. I mean, what O.J. Simpson did in 14 games was incredible. There you go. So then, so then uh, in reality, he, his, my brain's his record, big enough to handle all this. His record's more prominent than, than anybody else's. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield and Co. Make season over. Miss. Both teams are in. Snap. Hold. Kick is up, and it is over for the Chargers. The Raiders are in the playoffs. The Steelers are in the playoffs. The Chargers season has come to an end. Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. All right, time to get some gambling angles here. Uh, First go around, 
with uh, Dave Koken as we'll get into the national title game in just a second. Matt Money-Smith, the uh, voice of the Chargers, clearly disappointed in what was a up-and-down emotional game for both sides. Dave Koken, I know uh, you and I are on opposite sides on this one, but I give you the floor as you uh, you thought what Brandon Staley did at the end of the game with the timeout and then some other coaching moves was just abhorrent. Yeah, I thought he coached a terrible game. Uh, I know the analytics guys will come out firing, uh, but I thought going forward on fourth down and short inside his own 20-yard line was a bad gamble. Uh, and the timeout at the end was just... And his explanation for it was even worse because he says, well, we wanted to get our best run defense on the field. You mean you didn't have your best run defense already on the field? The Raiders were not going to throw the ball under any circumstances there. So you had to have your best run defense on the field anyway. Apparently he didn't, which makes it all the worst. Um, no, you don't call time out there. I, I, uh, it allowed the Raiders to say, all right, well, we got nothing to lose. Let's go ahead. They, the Raiders were clearly just running down the clock. I mean, was, the play clock was down to, what, four when they called the timeout? So they weren't in any hurry. I mean, if they gained some yards, great. If not, they might have tried a 56-yard field goal anyway because the guy's got a tremendous foot and he never misses at Allegiant. But I'd rather have him kick him from 56 than 46, and there's no guarantee they try it from 56 because that's a bit of a gamble. Uh, the main thing was, and I'm, there's no, no argument to this whatsoever, the Raiders were not getting, letting the Chargers get the football back under any conditions, which means they weren't going to, under any conditions, throw the football in that situation because that can be an incomplete pass, stop the clock, and then you've got fourth and long. Um, I, I thought it was a terrible blunder in his part. I tweeted it as soon as he made the timeout. It wasn't a second guess after the fact. I tweeted it as soon as he called the timeout. It's like I, my, my tweet was, WTF is he doing? Um, and I got it right. The results say I got it right. And from there... The Raiders move into territory, kick the field goal. But now the question comes up of were they was there a quote-unquote gentleman's agreement? Were they going to go for a tie? Oh, I don't know. No, I, I don't think there's any discussion beforehand of, of a gentleman's agreement. That would be, that'd be a lack of integrity if that was the case. That's not the way – that's just not the way sports teams do it, okay? Um, no. I don't think there was a gentleman's agreement. So, Dave, we've seen some uh, some weird firings. Uh, they're saying communication oh. issues with Brian Flores going bye-bye in Miami. Should Brandon Staley get fired? No, I mean, in the heat of the moment, I could say yes. And I would definitely, if I'm, if I'm the owner of the team, I am going to at least talk to the players and get their feelings as to whether they can still buy into what uh, he's doing. You got to get a feel for it that way. Um, but look, I, I, I should it be fired. Look, I said l last year when Lafleur uh, did what he did against Tampa Bay that uh, boy, he ought to be fired. Well, it looks like he he, he did okay this year. So right. I'm not I, I'm not going to go down that road again. It was Staley's first year. Maybe he'll get better. Um, but I, I thought he coached a pretty bad game yesterday. Do you have a reaction to Flores getting fired right. after a nine and eight season in Miami? Yeah, they fired the wrong guy. They kept the GM and fired the coach. Uh, he overachieved last year in incredible fashion. And again, 
just to prove I'm not anti-analytics. I'm very pro-analytics. Miami overachieved on their analytics last season more than any team in the league. They should have been like a four-win team. Uh, I think they did again this year because this team was dead in the water in the middle of the season and put together a great stretch run. So they fired the wrong guy, and Flores will be fine. He'll land in a better organization and get another chance to win. By the way, isn't picking Tua over Justin Herbert a fireable offense? Yeah, it kind of looks like it might be. I mean, yeah, well, the GM isn't going to fire himself. So might as well fire the coach. Dave Kokens with us, wagertalk.com. Dave, how do the Raiders just do this? How do, (laughs) with all the turmoil, you know, uh, well, the differential this year of minus 65 points. Yep. How do they just make the playoffs? There was some luck involved. Uh, They played Cleveland when Cleveland had a third-string quarterback. They played Denver when Bridgewater wasn't available. And, you know, Drew Locke is just – he's horrible. Um, So those were fortunate wins. Wentz didn't practice the week of the uh, Colts game, although I don't know that that made a big difference. And and they did what they had to do last night. They got a – you know, let's call it straight. They got an incredibly great call at the end of the first half. Oh which boy. went in their favor. It was a horrible call, and it went in their favor. So they had yep. some breaks, but you got to tip your cap, too. I mean, they did win four straight to get there, and they're in the playoffs. And uh, now the the interesting discussion now is whether they interim head coach or whether he's now the head coach. Boy, wouldn't it be like we see it in college football and college basketball, like, you know, midweek, slow news day. You know, let's give a scholarship to the uh, the guy that doesn't have a scholarship, doesn't expect it. How about Wednesday? Pull the interim tag off of Asachia. He's our guy. Let's go. Well, I got, you know, and he probably should be their guy now, at least for a year. Um, I don't, I don't think you give him a ten-year contract, but well, let's let's take the interim tag off and give him a couple of years and see if he can uh, keep this thing going. Because it turns out it's it's a pretty good season at this point, even if the Raiders get smashed this week. Uh, the fact they made the playoffs is quite an accomplishment. Dave, I tweeted this question out earlier today. Do the Raiders make the playoffs if John Gruden was still the coach? I haven't the slightest idea. Um, I don't think there's any way to measure that. The fact is, they made the playoffs with Gruden not as the head coach. I I thought, look, I'm not going to forget about what I said about a month ago, which is that there's no way I'd bet on the Raiders the rest of the way. Uh, They might lose out. And the team's a complete mess. Well, I got it completely wrong, uh, which you got to admit your mistakes. Uh, and I will admit to that one. I, I could not have gotten it more wrong in the Raiders. Dave Koken, wagertalk.com. All right, Dave, I am on the dreaded public dog tonight. I'm hating it, but I just can't play against Alabama. No, neither can I. I didn't bet the game. Uh, I lean Alabama. I lean under. One good thing, I'm not going to mention his name, but one rather high-profile guy on one of the major networks has had an unbelievably bad season. I mean, he's just been brutal, <laughs> and uh, he's on Georgia. So, all right. This is also an interesting situation. I know it's—I don't know if it's bettable, but this is a Super Bowl-like situation with the money line. Um, yeah. On both sides here, it is yeah. so friggin' low. Like I have Alabama plus three. I, I don't. My God, Alabama's only plus one twenty. Plus one twenty on the money line. Georgia's minus one forty laying uh, on the money line and laying three points. Is there a play there? You could take a middle shot. 
Yeah. But I, I, I prefer to do it when the line's a little bit bigger. Yeah. Uh, more more wiggle room there. I mean, three's not much. But no. it, it's it's pretty much a can't-lose-much situation if you, if you go that route. Yep. All right, give me your reaction to what you saw on Saturday with the Knights. They lose to Chicago, the Flurry tribute, Flurry responds. What do you think of the whole thing? I thought it was great. Not that they lost, uh, although you know that had to be sweet for the Blackhawks and for Fleury. Uh, but I thought the tribute was great. The crowd was just totally into it. And uh, I'm I, I pretty sure I you know I was watching Fleury, and it's like he's not going to take his mask off because uh, I think he might have tears in his eyes. So he left the mask on, and uh, I, I think he was probably moved by it. And uh, it's a great... Just great for Fleury, who's uh, going to go down as one of the most beloved athletes uh, in uh, in Las Vegas history, and that includes all the great UNLV guys from years past. Uh, he is. I hope he moves back here when he's done, uh, because I I think Las Vegas really is his home now. Dave Kogan's with us. Um, well, that was an emotional moment. I yesterday was emotional. I think for everyone who who knew the guy and anyone um, in the Vegas sports community, we saw an outpouring of emotion from. Folks uh, from back in uh, his days in Buffalo, poor Brian Blessing, who was a yeah. regular on this show. We were all buddies with him. I mean, one of the nicest dudes, yep. always pleasant. Brian passed away yesterday at a very young age. So I, I know you expressed shock yesterday on social media. How are you feeling today? Well, yeah, I mean, we didn't. You know, it's been a rough month because we lose Ballpark Frank about a month ago. I, I mean, if you want to call it a consolation, at least we kind of knew with Frank. I mean, he was really sick with cancer. Um, with Brian, this just came from out of nowhere. Uh, I don't think anybody even knew he was sick and, uh, he's just such a good guy. I mean, a real genuine good guy, but nobody ever had anything bad to say about, and it's just way too soon. And especially, you know, you, you know, the world of gambling and, and also sports radio, you know, there's a lot of backstabbing and back talking and all that. And, you know, Brian was uh, one of the rare, you know, really good guys that everyone liked in this realm. Oh, yeah. And nobody more fun to talk hockey or horse racing with uh, than Brian Blessing. I mean, he knew both sports really well. And uh, he's just he's just a great guy. Uh, he's going to be missed. All right, Dave. We appreciate it. Thank you. Got it. The crew over at Finley Toyota speak Spanish, Thai, and even Persian. In fact, they speak 14 different languages. Come in and talk the universal language of big savings today.